Monday, y'all. It is also May 11th. And the word of the day is irumatio, which is a form of fellatio in which the power is generated by the receiver. Yes, it is. Face fucking. There's a Latin <laughs> word for face fucking is what I'm telling you. Used in a sentence, the asymmetrical haircuts of the 1980s made the physics of Irumatio somewhat awkward. Yeah, and the Aquanet and the Banks would stick to your pubes. <laughs> Nothing good about that decade. I'm no illusions. I'm Ethan Wright, and broadcasting delayed from America's Far Center, we are the Skeptocrats. On episode 15, we'll prune the prudes early by opening with a face-fucking joke. <laughs> Candidates brush up on Rochambeau strategy to prepare for the GOP primary tournament. My dreams of a synthetic splooge luge come one step closer to reality. <laughs> and turns out the quarterback with below average speed, strength, and throwing arm got his Hall of Fame stats by cheating. Again, same but guy. first, we'll round up some briefs. It's time for the news roundup. First up, we have to begrudgingly grant First Amendment rights to Pamela Geller, who hosted a terrorist honeypot event last week called the Draw Mohammed Contest, during which two incompetent jihadists with body armor and assault rifles were shot to death by an off-duty policeman working security. This part wasn't in the report, but the way I'm picturing it, the perps were probably easy to shoot while gnawing their legs off to escape the bear traps with Charlie Hebdo cartoons placed inside as bait. In Nigeria, Boko Haram released 234 female captives last week in a show of no longer needing that particular batch of hostages. And just to make sure the release didn't seem humanitarian at all, 214 of them were visibly pregnant. So just a warning for all you Nigerian jihadists out there that are listening to this show. If you continue being terrorist rapists, we're going to feel less bad about killing you with remote control death bots that we were probably going to kill you with anyway. You fucks. Ed, speaking of white people problems, except the exact opposite, the U.S. Justice Department recently began investigating the Baltimore PD, suspecting there might have been some wrongdoing by police officers after they confirmed that Freddie Gray was alive and spinally intact in the years and minutes leading up to his deadly arrest last month. Who figured that one out? Inspector Gadget. Now, in human rights violation price discovery news, the city of Chicago has agreed to pay out a total of about $5.5 million in reparations to victims of police torture, much of which occurred under the command of disgraced former officer and convicted felon John Burge. Approximately 80 victims have been identified and will be eligible to receive up to $100,000 each. And if you notice that 80 times 100,000 isn't 5.5 million, congratulations, you're better at math than Chicago. And you're probably also better than them at not torturing black people. And and making pizza, yes, yeah, no doubt. Thank you. Anyone who had to eat that breaded lasagna should be eligible for reparations. Absolutely. It's good <laughs> There's policy. torture. That. Ridiculous. <laughs> pizza. They owe pizza reparations. They owe the word pizza reparations. I agree. Unbelievable. On the Middle Eastern front, Saudi Arabia recently announced a ceasefire with the Houthi Shiite rebel forces in Yemen. Unfortunately, barely anyone could hear the announcement because of all the guns and explosives going off all over the place. So Saudi forces dropped leaflets all around rebel-occupied areas telling everyone to leave by 7 p.m., I guess. There you go. And as soon as they freely relinquish a bunch of land, the Saudis will take over Yemen and then cease firing. Sounds like a great plan. And moving over to Israel, with only seconds left before his prime minister office turned into a pumpkin, Benjamin Netanyahu was able to sell off enough cabinet positions just in time to get the Chabayat Chayel party on board to form a coalition government. This captured him 61 of the 120 members of Knesset, making him as statistically unlikable as is theoretically possible for a majority leader. Yes, it does. Sounds like Netanyahu. Sounds about right. In NFL news... 
League investigators finally caught up with just about every football fan outside of New England and gathered enough evidence to suspect that Tom Brady and the Patriots are enormous cheaters. That should probably have as many as four Super Bowl championships stripped from the organization. Probably, yeah. Most recently for illegally deflating the game balls used by their offense. In a display of generosity... New York has agreed to let them keep their two Super Bowl losses to the Giants during that same period. You guys can have those. What are the odds that you would bring that up? And from important stuff like deflated footballs to a nuclear treaty fluff piece, the Senate just passed a bill, almost unanimously, that should allow them to all act like they tried to resist if the Iran deal goes through without <laughs> actually resisting. Meaningless. Apparently, the Senate thinks that they're going to need to hedge their bets on whether nuclear nonproliferation efforts come out on the right side of history. So this is their attempt to do so. And Finally, in domestic espionage news, a recent ruling from the U.S. Court of Appeals has declared the NSA bulk metadata collection program to be illegal. Slow clap. A similar ruling was made when the U.S. adopted the Fourth Amendment in 1791. <laughs> right. But everything that happened before the Patriot Act selectively doesn't count, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometime before the controversial phone surveillance program expires on June 1st, Congress will likely decide to tell the NSA to partially stop spying on American citizens. And the NSA, for their part, promises to say that they've stopped, so everyone will be happy. <laughs> and, of course, we have more of this week's top stories coming up right after the Duo Tribe. If you're a concerned American patriot, frustrated by the stagnancy, infighting, and posturing that hamstrings even the most modest political efforts in this country, you can't be happy about the way the 2016 election looks in its early stages. But if you like to make fun of stupid politicians on a podcast for 90 minutes a week, you fucking love it. Yes, you So, do. though it's too early to predict the final outcome now, I definitely feel confident in saying that the primaries are going to be a six-clown-car pileup. Yes. Which is... Fun yes. to picture. <laughs> now, on the left, things seem pretty orderly, at least at this stage. According to the press, there is only Hillary. <laughs> no matter what the FEC filings say, and, well, it's going to be a lot harder to ignore Bernie Sanders at all once they're on the debate stage. Don't, you can already see out. him being kind of brushed aside yeah. by the media in an effort to <laughs> coronate Mrs. Clinton. Obviously, that could change significantly between now and the convention, but either way, we're being treated to such a wacky buffet of characters on the Republican side, it's fine for our purposes if the Democrats pretty much sit this one out. Really, honestly, we'd need to lengthen this show if they had the same thing going on. Now, as much of a boon as this conservative clusterfuck is for people like us, it should come as no surprise that it's something of a problem if you're the GOP. And it's a bit of a new problem, too. <laughs> yeah. In the past, there were only so many campaign donors to go around and the prohibitive levels of fundraising made it impossible for more than a handful of people to be competitive. You'd still get your occasional self-financed billionaire, but usually only a few candidates beyond that would be viable at all. Right, but now a candidate can stay in the race for quite a while on the back of one extremely wealthy donor. As Ted Cruz has shown, also, you don't even have to like have a chance in hell of winning the election to talk somebody into pumping serious money into your campaign. For many of these donors, it's worth a couple of million dollars just to send the message to other candidates that there's money in being more like Ted Cruz. Easy. So the immediate result is way too many contenders. Yeah. Right now, the GOP's got at least two dozen potential candidates that would have been viable enough to earn a spot at the primary debates pretty much any other election cycle. Right. But – there's just not room for them on the stage this time. I mean, over the last couple of years, they've crammed a dozen people or so on stage in the early debates, and even that made them all but useless. Doubling that number would just be nonsensical. They have to right. figure something out. So now, what do you do 
if you're the RNC. You're not, so it doesn't really matter to you. But if you are, look, obviously choosing which candidates do and don't make it on the stage is a major but necessary thumb on the scale of the election. Right. Normally, of course, this kind of question would be answered through polling or something like that. You know, the 10 people that are polling the highest in an average of X, Y, and Z polls make the stage. Mm -hmm. But pollsters aren't going to waste their time and money asking people about 24 different candidates. And even if they did, the cluster of names at the bottom... They'd all be within the margin of error of each other. So right now, useless. of course, another measure to test a candidate's viability would be donations. You know how many people <laughs> are donating, True. how much to this campaign, and its various super PACs and dark underlords. But obviously, <laughs> there's a huge optics problem there, especially if you're a party that's already seen as overly influenced by money, and then suddenly you have a high stakes buy-in limit for your debates. <laughs> right. That's that's not good either. <laughs> and even if they were able to use, I guess, a combination of all those methods. It still won't give them what they want because they don't necessarily want the 10 most qualified, likely candidates on stage, as crazy as that sounds. They want the four that might win, the two that have enough sport to make a big fuss if they're not included, and the four that aren't white guys, honestly. Yes. I mean, that's pretty much... Really. Now, to be fair, there is a tiny bit of overlap in the not white guy and might win category yeah, this fair time. Point. Fair point. But what really complicates Canadian this thing Cuban. is exactly that, since using any metric about holding public office would exclude Ben Carson, and any metric about succeeding at anything at all would exclude Carly Fiorina. So. Right. So what the RNC is tasked with doing now is finding a seemingly fair statistic that's going to get the right people on the stage keep the wrong people off stage, and also minimize the number of white male insane long shots. Right, it's and of course, tricky. we're here to help. Now, we've got three <laughs> lists. We have the uh, the 10 candidates the RNC probably really wants on the stage, the four likely candidates that they'd rather exclude, and a third list of also-rans that would just be taking up room that could be better spent in demonstrating a false sense of party diversity. Right, so by our count, the 10 they want up there are Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, Scott Walker, Mike Huckabee, Ben Carson, Carly Fiorina, Ted Cruz, Bobby Jindal, and then Rand Paul and Rick Stantorum because they kind of have to. They have to, yeah, exactly. Now, at the same time, they're probably happier if Chris Christie and John Bolton don't make the cut. They're definitely happier if Rick Perry doesn't make the cut, and everybody's happier if Donald Trump stays home. <laughs> probably Mike Pence, too. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you've got that last group. Candidates like Lindsey Graham, George Pataki, John Kasich, and they're just taking up space and valuable chads. So, Noah, what have you come up with to help them out? You have a system, right. I understand. Yes, yes. So what if we go with um, candidates that were born in states that don't touch either ocean? Okay, that, that's close if you don't count the Gulf Coast. But you knocked out Rubio and Santorum and oh. left Rick Perry in. Oops. And also you end up with 14 candidates on stage. Okay, yeah. Still that's a little that's, high. Yeah, all right. So what if we do every third candidate alphabetically? That's actually looking pretty good <laughs> if you look at this list. Uh, no, no, no good. You start strong. Bush, Cruz, Fiorina, Huckabee. But it falls apart after that. Yeah, you're right. It does. Okay. We go zodiacal. Maybe <laughs> – Candidates born under fire, earth, or air signs in non-rooster years whose okay. ages, when the digits are added together, add up to less than 10. All right. Well, uh? no, no, still no good. You lose Bush, Rand, and Walker. Oh, you do. And you get Graham, King, and Kasich. No, yeah, so, okay, that doesn't work no, either. No, All right, no. last try here. How about candidates born before 1951 that never governed a Midwestern state? I think that works. That's still no good. No? Still no good. You knock out Bolton, 
Perry, Trump, sure, you know, uh-huh. that's good stuff. But you also knocked out Scott Walker, and you still leave 14 oh, candidates. Shit. Oh, no, but I wasn't done. I wasn't done. I meant single, non-Methodist candidates that were born before 1951 and never governed a Midwestern state that dips below the 42nd parallel. Okay, that's relevant. Yeah. And, um, and weren't uh, born in states that begin with I. <laughs> is that it? That's the whole thing? That, final uh, answer? Uh, that's your me, whole... That is that is it. Yes, yes. That's my final answer. Okay, that's that's really – it's not bad. It's not bad, but you did leave Chris Christie on stage, and that's Damn dangerous it. for everybody. I knew I should have added a weight limit. <laughs> Joining me for headlines tonight is fellow skeptic rat, no illusions. No why do you think God hates the Jacksonville Jaguars so much? He hates them. <laughs> Clearly. Well, he's, I guess he's still pissed they didn't draft Tebow. He's a hometown boy. <laughs> Makes know. sense. So before we get to our first headline, let's check in with Twitter and see what they're doing to honor Mother's Day. Trending this week was hashtag AdMomRuinAMovie. Would you like the player pass? I, I, I'm going to pass at least for the moment, but I just want to point out that I wasn't endorsing in any way drafting Tebow. I don't think that was a good <laughs> idea or a good thing. I also don't think God exists. I think both of those propositions are about as stupid. I want to make that very Fair clear no, before no, we get any emails. got it? Check. All right. You were saying something about hashtag ad mom ruin a movie? <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going first. Um, what about Freudian slipping with the enemy? <laughs> Okay, all right. So I, I, maybe I could go with a, a, a James Bondage flick. It was um, Oedipussy. <laughs> well done. It looks better spelled out. but Sometimes a goldfinger is just a goldfinger. <laughs> and this week's <laughs> random stranger winner was at Lance Gould, who had a womb with a view. So well played. Yeah, I mean, especially since I can't think of any non-abortion way to interpret that. That's basically <laughs> like because there's not going to be a view. Everybody try. Everybody try because that's not what I – Something's being <laughs> – In our lead story tonight from the Outsource Anonymous file, President Obama threw a serious curveball this week when he decided to make a speech in favor of the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Deal or TPP from Nike headquarters in Oregon. Yeah, and what? yeah, by curveball, I mean ridiculous decision. Yeah. Because more than almost any American company, Nike is the prime example of how past trade deals like this one ended up leading to American layoffs and outsourcing of cheaper labor from places like exactly who we're negotiating with in the TPP. So. Well, and, and the honest optic that I think he was going for here was like, hey, look at this fucking place. We're already screwed. You know, I, he was like trying right. to underscore the message that nothing's going to happen that's going to bring the, the the cobbling jobs back to the U.S. So we might as <laughs> well embrace not. the exploitation and get cheaper shoes out of right. the deal. Okay. So not not a crazy idea, but still a ridiculous choice of. Oh, anything. absolutely, yeah. I'm here at this ISIS lair to tell you about the new Patriot. <laughs> Why would you just crazy? So. so the Senate's going to have a vote on Tuesday about whether they're going to be granting the president fast track authority to move more quickly to negotiate the terms of the deal. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a large block of pro-business Republicans led by Mitch McConnell are going to get enough support from a bunch of centrist Democrats to pass the measure. Meanwhile, critics from both sides of the aisle argue that, you know, we don't even know what the fuck we're fast-tracking because the entire TPP negotiation process has been shrouded in a whole bunch of secrecy. And that's the only thorn we need right there, in my mind. Look, I, look, I get the strategic advantage of having a trade agreement with, like, 
everything that touches the Pacific Ocean except China. But when the details you're offering are, trust me, I have to call bullshit. I have no choice but to call bullshit. <laughs> right. So to be fair, here's the president's argument in favor of the deal. Mm -hmm. He's saying that you know globalization is already happening and that we need to have a say in deciding what that's going to look like as – the global economy inevitably moves forward and evolves. Let's get involved with it. Specifically, Obama claimed the agreement would, quote, open the door to the higher skilled, higher wage jobs of the future, jobs that we excel at. Oh, end quote. Yeah, I think everybody gets a pony, too, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the deal as well. However, statements made by Nike sounded like the opposite of Obama's claim about the skilled jobs thing. Oh, really? And also maybe lying. Maybe, <laughs> maybe complete lie. According to the company's release, the tariff reductions would, quote, accelerate development of new advanced manufacturing methods and a domestic supply chain to support U.S.-based manufacturing, end quote. So if we sign this government-classified deal that the American public isn't allowed to read, Nike's maybe planning to create somewhere between – Zero and 10,000 American manufacturing. They're definitely going to do at least that. They're definitely going to do that. So, yeah, 1% of their workforce at most moving over from Vietnam. <laughs> right. There's, there's progress for you. Except I, I think that maybe the 10,000 jobs they were talking about were the hookers that they plan to hire when Nike can knock off the last <laughs> remaining tariffs on Asian slave labor. That <laughs> right. might have been what they were talking Honestly, about. Honestly, sounds like a bunch of bullshit. Uh, yeah. But big picture from you know an economics perspective – the removal of nationalist trade barriers is definitely more efficient. That does make sense. Mm -hmm. And if the deal also involves enforcement of higher labor standards across all the participating countries, that would address a major failing of similar deals in the past and improve the situation for the American workforce. But if what I just described is the whole purpose of the TPP, then why the fucking secrecy? Exactly. Just – Yeah. We would support that. that. And in what's your fracking problem news tonight, an analysis of tap water from three homes in Bradford County, Pennsylvania, has revealed trace amounts of a chemical commonly used in fracking. The report, which was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, showed very tiny amounts of a chemical that may be dangerous in much higher levels, but might not be, that probably came from a nearby fracking operation, but not definitely. This report has led to a number of rational questions about the safety of hydraulic fracturing, as well as some very irrational answers from all them folks what knew the government was trying to kill us all along. <laughs> right. With more on this story, we turn to roving reporter Lucinda Lusions, who is live in Bradford County. Lucinda, how are the locals coping with the news? Well, Heath, there was already plenty of distrust in the community, and this incident has really amplified it. Okay, so has there been a spike in bottled water sales or anything like that? Actually, it's exactly the opposite. That seems strange. I would have guessed that with reports of poison in their water, people would be turning to other sources, like bottled water. It's all about where those questions are coming from. See, when the warnings were primarily coming from conspiracy theorists and unsourced infographics on Facebook, the locals turned immediately to alternative sources. But now that the same message is coming from the government, they have to consider the possibility that this is a false flag operation designed to keep <laughs> them from getting all the healthy minerals in the local water supply. I see. Actually, no, I don't see it all. That makes no sense. What? How... Distrusting the government gets tricky when they start agreeing with you, Heath. <laughs> gotcha. Anything else to report? Yeah, these fracking chemicals taste like crap. You drank them? Don't get me wrong. After the first gallon or so, you really hardly taste them anymore. Why are you drinking the fracking chemicals? Superpowers, Heath. What? 
superpowers. Think about it. They crack giant underground boulders with this shit. So I'm just augmenting myself with industrial waste like the Hulk or, or the Ninja Turtles. I don't think it works like that. Have you seen me? I need a little oomph. It's worth a try, Heath. Not sure if you saw the latest movie, but the Avengers are letting any damn body in these days. I could be called Fracture. (laughs) You know, like frack and and fracking. No, 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 no. I I get it. I get it. Fracture, yeah. But I still don't think you should be drinking the fracking fluid. Yeah, but you know what? If I listened to naysayers like you, I never would have teased that radioactive spider. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lucinda. Next up in headlines from the less meaning Paul's Great File. Conservative nonprofit that hijacked American democracy, Citizens United, hosted a political rally called the Freedom Summit in Greenville, South Carolina on Saturday. The event gave a handful of GOP presidential hopefuls the chance to make some fascinating speeches about their very nuanced positions in favor of vague, meaningless platitudes. Yes, ah, the Freedom Summit. Awesome. Where voters go to learn which candidates are in favor of rolling up their sleeves and which ones have more of a pro-working-hard-to-earn-your-vote stance. That's a lot of exactly substance. Quick review, a couple of highlights. Here's Marco Rubio on the subject of terrorists. Quote, we will look for you, we will find you, and we will kill you. End quote. And for the record, his supervillain banter isn't nearly that clever on his own. Rubio was quoting Liam Neeson's character from the movie Taken. Yes, and and didn't have a special set of skills, apparently. (laughs) Couldn't do the first bit. Here's Dickie Sants on the same topic. (laughs) Quote, that's Rick Santorum. Quote, load the bombers up and bomb them back to the 7th century. Oh, really? Not sure how Santorum decided on the 7th century specifically, or how to achieve that particular goal without overshooting it by a little bit or undershooting it. But he wants 1,400 years of bomb damage ballpark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's his policy. Exactly. I'm willing to bet that any Muslims who heard it later could have offered a guess on why he chose that particular century. So, oh, is that a thing? Though? Yes, Rick. Well, this is when their religion was founded. So apparently the Froth Santorum <laughs> actually has a coy euphemism for I want to murder Islam out of existence. And it's part of his stump speech. But go Ricky. So after Saturday's in-depth look at the various policy platforms out there in the Republican Party, turns out that Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, Ben Carson, Carly Fiorina, Scott Walker, Rick Santorum, Bobby Jindal, and Donald Trump are all in favor of the word freedom and also against <laughs> terrorism. Oh. It's fascinating stuff. Good to know. Unfortunately for Jeb Bush, who couldn't make it, Lots of South Carolina voters may head to the primary season with no idea about his stance on these important issues. So he'll have to catch up. Yeah, he'll, he'll manage. And in fructose intolerance news tonight, in a boldly honest statement, the Mars Company, makers of M&M's, Snickers, and Twix, announced on Friday that nutrition scientists aren't technically wrong when they say the popular candy on the market is mostly made of poison. Specifically... Mars admitted that large amounts of sugar, which can be ingested by eating very small amounts of their product, is often very hazardous to your health. In light of this knowledge, but probably more importantly, as part of the new healthy image strategy trend in the food industry, Mars wants everybody to know that they firmly support government efforts to reduce sugar intake in the American diet. And they'd like to wish us... Good fucking luck with that. Right. Price says that on the press release. I guess now with the sugar companies looking out for our pancreases and the tobacco companies looking out for our lungs, we should all live forever. We'll be safe. It's like that. It's like the selfless way the beer companies print drink responsibly on the outside of the 144 pack. 
You know? Can we get a gross, a responsible <laughs> gross of beer? Right. Thanks. So according to their letter to U.S. lawmakers, Mars supports the current recommendation by the WHO that sugar intake should be limited to 10% of daily calorie input. And that's, that's great in theory. But in practice, this means you basically just can't have any candy no. that they make, especially. Based on a 2,000-calorie diet, if you eat my standard breakfast of an apple and a regular-sized bag of M&Ms, you're done with sugar for the day. That's it. Your yeah. lunch and dinner is a bag of kale, a very small <laughs> bag of kale. And you're still a little bit over the line. A little bit. Now, I, I would think, honestly, the only healthy way to use their products would be like to leave a trail of them to bait an E.T. and then kill and cook his ass. <laughs> I would think. I don't know. I mean, you, you don't really know what's in. There's probably a lot of fat in that thing. No, better nutrition to calorie ratio on probably. aliens than their candy, probably. But to be fair, some might argue that you don't have to eat the entire bag of candy, I guess. Really? But that's crazy right? to me. We're talking about sociopathic levels of discipline to make that <laughs> up. I'm supposed to carry around a Ziploc with fractional portions of a bag of M&Ms that I bought several days ago. What are we, fucking serial killers? That's crazy. <laughs> Bottom line... Whether or not the Mars company is going to help with portion sizes or whatever, America should probably start listening about the sugar advice in general. Yeah. When the drug dealer tells the customer, you know, maybe you should lower your heroin intake to, you know, just the, the small shot with breakfast. It's not a good sign. Well, you know what? When your heroin dealer tells you anything at all, probably not a good <laughs> sign. Just as in general. And in my garçons can swim news tonight. Initial results from a project conducted at France's private research facility, Calistem Laboratory, suggest that healthy sperm cells can be created in a test tube environment using basic scraps of genetic material as a precursor. Cool. Pretty cool, yeah. The study in question hasn't been published or vetted yet, but the company behind the experiment is definitely optimistic, and they're already projecting several billion dollars in potential annual sales. If proved for the public... The procedure would allow tens of thousands of infertile men to father a child using their own DNA. So literally loads of demand. And obviously we wanted in on that. So we put our team a little <laughs> swimmers. And by that, I mean Libyan kids that we fished out of the Mediterranean to the task of coming up with our top five names and slogans for the French ejaculate business. We get some weird writers, but they're good. They're good. We'll see how this one works out. Number five, scrote couture. Activating your yogurt culture. Oh, dude, I hope when they do this, they, they, they put the finished family. product in little gogurt squirt tubes. <laughs> and I hope that that's how they give it to you, that they deliver it to you. That would be a good idea. We should charge them if they do. <laughs> At number four, plaster of Paris. Throwing balls to the ovarian walls like de Gaulle's and seeing what sticks. <laughs> the world's first poetic Charles de Gaulle sperm joke. I'm so glad I could be here for it. <laughs> Libyans are on it. Number three. The Fertile Croissant Man Pastry Shop. We'll get your baby batter buns in the oven. <laughs> Plus, we literally have a cum dumpster. You could have the world's first cum dumpster baby. Didn't even realize. Well, now, if, if that's that true, my mom's been bullshitting me this whole time. What else do they have? <laughs> I don't like that one. <laughs> fucks number up my two. whole origin story. A good Mother's Day gift. <laughs> um, number two. Welcome to the Able Jizzers, or Les Jizzerables. <laughs> Master blasters of the house Always ready with a gland shake and an open palm I bet the Anne Hathaway scene would be better in that one Wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a tear on her face But something would be on her face It'd be... Doling out the Charmin <laughs> At number one Mung Frankenstein Where reanimated dirty tissues Become roping arcs to triomphe 
Only, arcs have only the true master Vulgarians are going to get all of that joke, which is why that was number one. Way to go, Libyan kids. Well done. And that's going to do it for episode 15. Thanks to No Illusions for bringing the souse like a bouse. Thanks to his lovely wife, Lucinda, for looking into the rabid hydrophobia in Pennsylvania's fracking towns. And thanks to all the listeners that liked us on Facebook, followed us on Twitter, and sent us feedback on the other various internets. Please keep doing that, please keep listening, and please keep telling your friends. And if you find the naive stupidity of our giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, please feel free to send us gifts of money at our donation page at patreon.com slash skeptocrat. Just like Michael, Terry, and Andrew, whose bulk metadata was just too girthy for the NSA to handle. And whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent like those fine people, if you enjoyed our brand of whimsy, and you'd like to hear more unsolicited dick jokes free of charge, check out our podcast award-winning sister show, The Scathing Atheist, available on iTunes, Stitcher, or directly from scathingatheist.com. We just have one last thing. Let's compliment that penist. Special thanks to the fender bender of the Yellow Brick Roads, Ryan Slotnick of Evil Drafts on Mars. He is the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with his permission. You should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide or by Googling the only band called Evil Drafts on Mars. Until next week, catchphrase sign-off. Now, on second thought, I realized that the heat and stickiness of this room is at least somewhat coloring my desire not to redo the duo <laughs> tribe. So if you feel like you want to redo the duo tribe, I'm cool with doing that. Slap. <laughs>